Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Hapasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. Before I preach the word, I'd like to do confession. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth and do not have doubt in here, in our heart, we will have what we say. To have faith alone is not enough. We need to confess. So let's confess together. How many people believe that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world? How many people believe that he became poor that we might be rich? How many people believe that God shall supply all our needs according to his riches? Amen. How many people believe that by his stripe we are healed? Let's confess together by faith. Amen. Some people are here sick. Some people are here need jobs. Some people here need victory in life. Let's confess with our mouth. It's so important to speak out. Every morning when I wake up, I speak for the members. I speak many of your names for your healing, for your health, for your victory. I speak your name and I mention it. I don't talk negative. I just talk positive from the Word of God. So we need to speak. Amen. Let's practice what the Bible says. Without speaking, you will not see the manifestation of the promise of God. We need to speak. Okay, I'm going to lead you to speak. In the name of Jesus. By His stripes, I'm healed. I live in a divine health. I live a long life to serve the Lord. The blessings of God will come upon me. And to the thousand generations, because I love the Lord, my God, and serve Him, the Lord will reward me, because I diligently seek Him. And the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And the Lord can do exceedingly, abundantly for me through His power that is in me. I am the victor. I am not a victim. I am a victorious person. And this is a victorious church. God will make me fruitful. I declare that the Lord loved me, and the enemy will be defeated in my life. In Jesus' name, all of us will be healthy, strong, prosperous, rich, full of strength, full of wisdom, full of anointing. In Jesus' name, I declare, and the words of the King has power. And I am the king and the priest in the kingdom of God. Therefore, my words have power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the anointing. Oh, hallelujah. The devil doesn't like this. The devil doesn't like Christians confess the word of God from their mouth. 
because you move the mountain. Amen. Hallelujah. Our job is to do what the Word of God say. Amen. We don't walk by sight; we walk by faith. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, I review from last Sunday a little bit here. The Bible talk about testing and trials of life. The Bible remind us that we're going to face some tests and trials. And it's good to know how many students in this room will go to school or university without knowing that the test coming up at the end of the quarter. I don't think you like to be surprised by your teacher. Your teacher come to you, oh, by the way, you're going to have a test next week. And you say, What? I don't know that I go to school and need a test. We all need to understand that God gonna test us off and on. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter eight verse two, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these forty years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. So the Lord would test all of us. No one in this room is exempt from being. Tested by God, we're gonna have to go through the test. All of us have to pass the test and grow up and become strong disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, yesterday after I finished emergency operation at Overlake Hospital, one nurse asked me in the operating room, "Do you have to give a lot of counseling in your church?" Because she know I'm a pastor. I said, "No, rare counseling. Yes, we do It's giving some counseling, but rare." And I say that the reason we rarely have to keep counseling because. I preach strong word on Sunday so that people will eat good food and be strong and healthy. I believe in prevention rather than letting people do whatever they want and they become sick and we have to do treatment. From the medical point of view, the best is prevention. Amen. So we need to know the word of God and we need the fire of the Holy Spirit to come and burn our life so that we don't need to go through so many problems, so many defeat. We want to be victorious in our life all the time. Amen. Today, I'm gonna talk about a few tests that God want to bring to our life by His grace and by His love. The first test that I want to talk about, the first test is we call the motivation test. Motivation test. Everyone say motivation. Our heavenly Father love to bring the examination to our life. When we go to school, we need to pass the test to show that we really know the subject very well. And after we pass the test. We get promotion to go to the next class or to the next year of the school or university. So God bring the examination to us. We call motivation test in order to expose the inner force that is inside here, and that inner force dictate or influence our daily decisions, our certain actions that we do each day. God want to expose our inner thoughts, inner intentions, values, and priorities or motivations to see what we are doing or what we are saying is influenced by what kind of motivation or attitude on the inside of us. God love to disclose those inner drive so that we will see our own motivation, and then we can get rid of some impure motivation. And move on to grow spiritually to become more like God. God want to purify us by His Word. Actually, God used many things to change us to help us grow. Number one, the fire of the Holy Spirit, the touch of the Holy Spirit. The fire of God comes to touch us and take away all the junks and all the bad stuff in our life. 
to help us grow faster. That's why our church believing in the fire of God and lay hand on people and let the fire of God touch people. The second thing that God used to purify us is the word of God. The word is like water, come and clean us, make us pure gold. And number three, God used trials and tests to purify us. So God will bring examination or tests to show us what kind of motivation we have. And then he wants to get rid of the wrong motivation from us and help us to have only three godly motivations in life. These are the three godly, loving motivations that we should have in everything we do. Before I go to Thailand, I need to ask myself, what is the motivation inside me? Why do I fly to Thailand to do the mission trip? Why do I fly to Germany to do the mission trip? What is the motivation on the inside of me? And I want to mention about three good motivations that we all should have. Number one, we do everything for the glory of God. Everyone say, for the glory of God. God gets the glory. Everything we do for His glory. Not for our own reputation. Not for our own glory. Not for our own names. God told me many years ago, about four or five years ago, I love to plant churches. And he said that don't let these churches have the same name because I don't want you to build denomination. Because if you build denomination with the same name, eventually you get the glory, not me. But if all these churches have different names, no one will know who is the head of these churches. Only Jesus is the head. Amen. Not one man get the glory. So only Jesus get the glory. Amen. Now, number two, the second good motivation that we should have is for the salvation of souls. Everything we do, we think about how we can help people to be saved, to come to know Jesus Christ. Every penny you spend, every minute you use, every move you take action is for salvation of souls, to see people come into the kingdom of God. And the third motivation, number one, for the glory, Number two, for the salvation of soul. And number three, for the edification of His church. Everything we do is to build His people. The church means people, not the building. To build people up, to become strong disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So every time before I fly to another country for mission trip, I check myself. Actually, I don't like to sit in the airplane. Every time I walk into SeaTac Airport, carrying the computer back, into the airplane, I was thinking, oh, sitting in the airplane again for 8 hours, 16 hours. This is not fun. But then I remind myself right away, I do this for the glory of my God. I do this to see souls saved. I do this to build the church, to see people grow up. It's not about me. It's not about new hope. It's not about our ministry, my ministry. It's not about my ministry. It's about other people. It's about His glory, God's glory. It's about how to help people to become strong Christian and save them and help them to be set free. Amen. I need to check my attitude all the time what I do. The reason God has to check our attitude or review our attitude because sometimes we don't even know, we don't see our own heart that we do so many things so that we can get something out of God. Maybe we serve God so that we can get a job in the church. Or maybe we come to serve so that we can get salary. We can get some financial benefit from the ministry. Or maybe we do it so that we can get well-known. People know us. Look at my big ministry. Look at my name. People will remember my name. We should not have those motivations at all. Those are worldly 
and carnal motivation. Yes, God will take care of us financially. Yes, God will provide for us. Yes, if you honor God, God will honor you, and you will get good reputation. But it's come from God, not from your own manipulation. Try to get people to like you. We do everything for the glory of God. So God want to drive out unrighteous motivation and replace them with the pure love and pure devotion to the kingdom of God. I give you example in the Bible. One of the person that God tested his motivation. His name is Balaam. If you want to read the story in detail. Go back home and read Numbers chapter 22 to Numbers 24. Three chapters in Numbers. I'm not going to go in detail today. Balaam was a real prophet of God. Balak was the king of Moab. And at a time, Balak saw all the wonders and victory of the children of Israel. All the nations around them got defeated by the nation of Israel, children of Israel. Balak saw that, and he was so scared. He was afraid that the children of Israel would destroy his nation, Moab. He was coming up with a tricky plan, manipulation plan. In Numbers chapter 22, verse 7, the Bible says, "So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand. So they come up with money, big money, and they came to Balaam. Balaam was a prophet of God. Spoke to him the words of Balak." Numbers chapter 22 verse 15. Then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they. What happened when these ambassadors or officers of the king Balak came to Balaam? They say that if you can do one thing for us, we give you a big, big fee, big amount of money that is to curse the children of Israel, so that they would be defeated. Balaam said, "No, I cannot." I cannot curse God's people, so they send another team, more numerous, more honorable ambassadors and officers with bigger amount of money, and they came to Balaam the second time and say, "Could you please curse the children of Israel?" And Balaam, the prophet, say, "I could not curse the ones that God bless." But by the second time, God sent the examination to Balaam to see his motivation in being a servant of God. This second time, God told Balaam. Okay, go with them. The Bible says in verse 20, and God came to Balaam at night and said to him, "If the men come to call you, rise and go with them." Actually, God tested him to see what he's going to do. But only the word which I speak to you that you shall do. In verse 17 in Numbers chapter 22, this is what Balak say. For I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come, curse these people for me. In other words, Balak, the king, keep increasing the amount of the fee or the money. If you can curse the children of Israel, I will give you more. Whatever you want, I give it to you. Please curse the children of Israel. Numbers chapter 23, verse 12. So he answered and said, "Must I not take heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth?" Balaam tended to stand firm on what God told him to do for a while. He said, "I'm gonna say only what God told me to do." But if you read the whole story, you would find out that eventually Balaam tried to get the money. His motivation is not to serve the Lord with good heart. He loved money more than God. He eventually willing to give up, willing to compromise. The principle of God to get the money. He could not curse the children of Israel, but he did something else. 
in a tricky way. Let me read the scripture. What happened? There are three scriptures in the New Testament that talk about don't follow the way of Balaam, the true prophet of God who sold himself for money, who had wrong motivation in serving the Lord. Second Peter chapter two verse fifteen say, "Forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness." This scripture talk about Balaam loved money more than God. His motivation was wrong. Jude, verse eleven, say, "Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Cain is a jealous brother. He was angry brother who committed sin to kill his younger brother. Have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah." This scripture talk about three group of people who sin against God in a different way. Balaam sin against God, getting money. The motivation of serving God is about money, and Cain was a man of anger, the man of jealousy, and also Korah, leading Israel to rebel against God. We should not follow all these three guys, okay? Everyone say no, 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 no Korah, no Cain, no Balaam. So please don't give your son name Balaam or Cain or Korah, okay? What did Balaam do in order to get money? Let me read what the Bible say in Revelation chapter two, verse fourteen. This is what Balaam do to get the money. Very tricky. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. What happened? He could not open his mouth to curse the children of Israel. God said, "You cannot curse them because I bless them." The only way that the curse can get into the children of Israel, the community, is to get them sin against God. Obedience bring blessing. Disobedience bring curses. How many people want a lot of blessing? Raise your hand up. What do you do? Obey the word of God. Amen. How many people want curses? No one. If you want curses, you just disobey and do what you want, and you follow your flesh. If you want the blessing, last night I was reading the sermon, and the Lord spoke to me this word: "Don't mess it up." And I know right away what He wants to talk to me. Son, you are the pastor, the head of the church. You are the head of the household. You are the father of your house, and so many people depend on you in Thailand, in other country, and in this church. If you sin against me. You're gonna bring a mess to your church, and a mess to your family, and a mess to people in Thailand. Don't mess it up. Stay holy, and fear me. No matter what happened, you need to live a holy life, and don't mess it up. I say, Lord, I'm not gonna mess it up. I'm gonna live a holy life. I'm gonna walk righteously before you. I don't want to be like these children of Israel. What happened? Balaam told Balak to send women into the camp. Beautiful women. The Israel men look at them like, "Woo, Yahoo, woo!" And they all get tempted to commit adultery and fornication. The Bible talk about getting them to eat things sacrificed to idols. So they sin to sin here at that time. Right away, they open up themselves to the curses. Now Balaam has a right to curse them. So Balaam was very tricky. We need to be careful. The motivation of serving the Lord. 
I remember when I first came to know the file of God in 1997-1996. God introduced me to the file of God, to the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. I was trained by the denomination that believed in only speaking in tongue and discipleship. But I did not know about the file of God until 1996-1997 when I went to Florida. And at that time, I began to use my way, try to bring the file of God into this denomination. But it didn't work out well. I was rejected. And people come to me, if you stop the fire, we're going to give you a big position. We're going to give you a lot of honor. You're going to be big in our denomination, but stop laying on of hands. Stop the file of God as soon as possible. I have to choose between high rank in the denomination or the file of God. I have to check my heart. What is more important, the rank or obeying the Lord? Eventually, I decided to choose the fire. And we have to leave denomination because they kick us out. They say, this church will not be in the denomination anymore. At that time, we planted many churches in Japan and America and some other part of the world. And they call all these pastors in and ask the pastor, are you going to follow the fire or the denomination? Only two pastors say, I follow the fire with Pastor Lau. But all the rest say, we follow denomination. I lost all the friends. I lost all the pastors that I trained them from being new believer up into the pastor in the early 10 years of my ministry. But I gave it up to keep the fire. Now you see why I protect the fire so much because I have to give up a lot for the fire. Amen? And God checked my motivation, which is more important to me, job, security, good position in the denomination, or following the Holy Spirit. I decided to follow the Holy Spirit. I need to check my motivation. Amen. Everything you do, God going to test you. Actually, I have to go through this test for many years before our church decided to choose the file of God. And I thank God we chose the file of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to the second test. The first test, everyone say motivation. The second test called the time test. Everyone say time. Time test. In this time test, what happened? God gives you some promises. The Word of God comes to you. The Word of God can come to you two ways. One, logos. The promise in the Bible. By His stripe we are healed is local. It's in the Bible here. Or God will take care of all our need is local. It's in the Bible. The promise comes to us and we believe in the promise of God. Or the promise of God can come as we call Rema. Rhema is a living word that comes directly from the mouth of the Holy Spirit, specifically for each and every one of us. Your Rhema is different from my Rhema. I remember many years ago, I, I think around 2001 or 2002, an evangelist laid hand on me to receive the fire. And this evangelist did not know me at all. We have no relationship. When this person laid hand on me, prophesied, revivalist, and walk away. I know right then, that this is the rhema for me, that from now on my ministry will not be just a local church pastor, but we will bring the file of God to the nations and to the cities. Revivalists, bringing the file of God. The word of God came to me as rhema. The word of God may come to you as rhema too. Maybe God say that you're going to have to go and plant church somewhere. Maybe God say to you, you need to marry that person. You need to buy the house, that house. God say, you're going to buy the house in this area. I'm going to provide you a house. A rhema for you, whatever 
God talk to you directly, not from the Bible, but definitely the word from the Holy Spirit will never contradict the Bible. If you heard the voice in your brain say, "Divorce your wife," that is not Rama. That is the voice of the devil, because the voice of the Holy Spirit never go against the Bible. Amen. If you heard the voice come to you and say, "From now on, after you sin, you don't need to confess and you don't need to repent," that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because it's against the Bible. The Bible will say you need to confess your sin and you need to repent. Amen. The voice can come to you, or the word of God can come to you, but the outward appearance of your situation seem like the word is not fulfilled for a long, long time. Now God wants to test you a few things. God promised that this thing going to happen, but one year, two years, three years, four years, fifteen years. 50 years, nothing happened. Outwardly, nothing happened according to the promise of God. Why did this happen? Because God wants to test your patience, your trust, and realize that He's going to do things His way and in His time, not my way, not my time. We need to learn how to live it up to God. Everyone say, time test. The purpose of the time test, number one, to help us to grow in faith. As we're waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled, we need to develop faith. We need to get into the Word of God. We need to build faith up so that we can see the manifestation of the promise of God. God wants to test our confidence. God wants to help us to grow in the area of the trusting in God. And while we are growing in faith, God is cleaning up our wrong motive and attitudes. God used all these things to purify us. So that we can see our selfish attitude or impure attitude or motivation, and not only that, the third reason: number one, to help us to grow in faith; number two, to purify our attitude; number three, he wants to prove to us that he is the miracle-working, faithful God. When you wait for the promise of God to be done, you see that you you do everything you need to do. You have done everything. You use your own muscle. You use your own ability. And you do all the things you need to do, but it has, hasn't happened. And after many years gone by, one day the promise of God become fulfilled supernaturally, supernaturally, miracles by the hand of God. And you look at it and say, "Wow, He is a miracle-working God. I'm nothing. I cannot do anything. Only Him can make it happen and come by His way and His timing." And he's such a faithful God, and now you can have testimony to tell people around the world. Oh my God, is a good God. After waiting for many years, and eventually I know that it's not about me; it's about Him. Sometimes many of us, especially leaders or old believers or people who have been Christian for a long time, we have a tendency to think that, oh, you know, I know a lot of Bible. I've gone to many seminar. Oh, I'm a great preacher, great speaker, and a good teacher. I can do all things. I'm great. I'm gonna show to God. That's what happened when I started this church. I'm a neurosurgeon. I have high education. I'm smart. I'm gonna prove that I can build this church. Ho oh, ho ho! Big mistake. Big mistake to think that way. I cannot do without Him. Amen. That's why First Corinthians chapter one, twenty-six to thirty-one. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. 
God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. But no flesh, know your own ability, your smartness, your education, your ability to talk, should glory in His presence. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So God need to let us know that we are weak people. Amen. We are weak people. I have to tell you the truth. Pastor Da can witness every Saturday. I am still have the intense feeling in my body about preaching on Sunday. I read the sermon. I prepare all day long. Last night I went to bed at 1 a.m. because I have so many things to do during the day. So I need to review my sermon at 1 a.m. until 1 a.m. You know why I'm so feel intense, human? Because I have to preach in English. I'm serious. I still feel so inadequate in my language. I feel so nervous to come up to speak English on Sunday morning. You may not believe this. I'm serious. I feel that oh, I cannot speak like oh those American preacher that speak so nice, so with the words. I come up and have to think the vocabulary and the, and pronunciation and the accent and have to think about the and v and ver and. S H R and C H R. Oh, I have to think all the time when I talk because this is not my language. You understand what I'm talking about? Oh, I thank God I'm weak. I'm a weak man to preach in English, and still 20 years gone by, I still get nervous every Saturday to come up here on Sunday. Pastor Dan noticed that. Amen. But God wants to bring glory to Him, not to us. Glory to the Lord. Amen. One of the men in the Bible who faced the time test is Abraham. Abraham faced the time test at 75 years old. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 9. God called him to come out from Haran to go to the land of Canaan. And I will read a little bit because of the limited time. Now the Lord has said to Abraham, "Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation." He did not have baby yet. How can seventy-five years old? How can he have be, become a great nation? I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old. How many people are younger than seventy-five? Raise your hand up. Oh, you still have a lot of hope. Okay. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possession that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Terebinth tree of Amore, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, "To your descendant, listen carefully." To your descendants, with S, I will give this land. He did not have a baby yet, 
and he was 75 years old. The promise of God came to him at 75 years old. So God said, "I'm going to give you the land, and your descendant will possess the land." Abraham used his muscle, his flesh, his ability, tried to fulfill the promise of God. Look at Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. I will read verse 2 to 4. But Abraham said, "Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus?" Then Abraham said. Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, "This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir." So Abraham realized he he was seventy-five. He could not have a baby. I don't know his wife still have menstruation or not. Are the eggs still falling every month or not? You have menstruation because. The egg fall every month, so you can have baby. I'm talking like a doctor. <laughs> Don't have imagination, okay? <laughs> Then, <laughs> and Abraham tried to use his own intellect. He said, "Okay, I have a man in my house named Eliezer. He is a son of my slave who was born in my own household. Why don't I give?" My inheritance to him, and he gonna become my heir. And God said, "No, no, 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 no. He has to come from your own sperm, your own body." Okay, I'm talking like a doctor. <laughs> Now they try to use human ability again in Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. At this time. He was about eighty-six, eighty-five years old. Ten years later, so Sarai said to Abram, "See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her." Now, and Abram heeded the voice of Sarai instead of listening to the Holy Spirit. He listened to the voice of. Human. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, so he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. They used human way try to produce baby now. And what happened? Sarai was not very happy. She was despised by Hagar. At 86 years old, he had a son named Ishmael, but that was not what God wanted. Look at Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, how many years have gone by? 24 years. 75, 99, 24 years. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, "I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless." Genesis chapter 18 verse 10, and he said, "I will certainly return to you according to the time of life." Everyone say time. God's timing. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. He waited for 25 years. God spoke to him at 99 years old. Sarah got pregnant. By the time Isaac came out, he was 100 years old. He waited for. 25 years for the fulfillment of the word of God or the promise of God to be done. Everyone say time test. Some of you might have been waiting for God's promise to be done in five days. God, I pray for husband. 
You promise me you're gonna give me a husband. I am already 20 years old. I feel I'm getting old. I have been waiting for five days. He hasn't shown up. Oh God, when you're gonna give me a husband? I'm not saying that you have to wait for 25 years. Amen. It may be five years, ten years. It may be longer. God wants to build your faith. God wants to see that you still trust Him or not. And during waiting, don't do like Abraham, that he went out to try to get a man named Eliezer to be his heir. Don't do like Sarai, that tried to do the human way to get the job done. Please, wait for God's timing. Amen? If you push it with human manipulation, human freshly way, you're going to get into trouble. Big trouble happened after Ishmael came out. Ishmael became the ancestor of Arabian people. And Isaac became the ancestor of children of Israel. And they're still fighting to today. The two ethnic groups are still fighting to today, many thousand years later. Because of a big mistake that Sarai and Abraham used their flesh to fulfill the promise of God. Therefore, young single woman, don't run out. Try to look for a spouse by yourself. Wait for God to show you. Amen? Otherwise, you may marry a King Kong. <laughs> Not a godly man. Young man, don't go after woman just because of your flesh. Listen to God. Is this your wife or not? Before you start to date her. Amen? Everything you do, listen to God. Wait for God's timing. God promised you. Everyone say motivation test. The time test. Next time, you're going to learn two more. Two more tests. I think it's good to know. How many people say, I'm going to be patient? I'm going to wait on God. I will build my faith. And one day, God will show a miracle. He's a faithful God. He's a miracle-working God. I will not be like a horse that run before God. I will not be like a mule, a donkey that I rebel against God all the time. I will be like the eagle putting my wings up Catch the wind of the Holy Spirit and soar in that wind. And may the Holy Spirit lead me in His way, in His timing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord, for your words, the story of Balaam and story of Abraham and Sarah. Lord, help us when we have to go through this test, motivation and time test. We will overcome. We will not give up. We will not complain. We will wait on you. We will check our motive and attitude, Lord, and we will wait for the manifestation of the promise and the faithfulness of God. We thank you, Father, that you're such a faithful God and you love us so much that you allow trials and tests to come to prove us, to mold us, to change us from glory to glory to become more mature and more like you. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. And all the saints say, Amen. 
Thank you, Jesus. Turn to each other and say, "Pass the test." Pass the test. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. To them all gathered in your name, I live to you.